Today on Kofa Disaster, what would people say if they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? Hi, and welcome to Coco Disaster. I'm Chorpsaway. And I'm Jordan. And we're here on the world's tastiest anime podcast to tell you about a show. That's true. This is our second inaugural, well, not, not inaugural, this is our second <laughs> uh, single serving show. And we're going to be talking about uh, what could be argued as one of the most important anime series of all time. Definitely. That's right. It's Neon Genesis Evangelion. Or as it's known in the insider circles, Evangelion. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I hear all the time from those fans. I'm, I'm going to have to try really hard to not call it that on the podcast, but I'll do my best. <laughs> all right. So, uh, a little bit of background on the show. I don't know why I'm doing this. Everyone already knows. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if everybody knows the background. I guess so. So, uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion came out uh, near the end of 1995 and went into mm-hmm. 1996 and is directed and written by Hideaki Anno. Uh, recognized, I think, in a lot of anime circles as an uh, auteur of sorts. Yes. Uh, for his work uh, predominantly at Gainax, but also his continuing work at Studio Kara. Mm-hmm. He also worked on, what was it? He worked on Gunbusters. Right, it, just Gunbuster. Gunbuster. As a, as a primary lead, right? Yeah, he was director, I think, on Gunbuster. Okay. And he also did some work um, earlier as an animator as well for um, Haya Miyazaki mm-hmm. uh, on the Ghibli films. But this is kind of his first, I think, this is his breakout hit. Oh, absolutely. This is the thing that put him on the map. This is the thing that made him uh, important, as it were. Despite a lot of other successes earlier on, like stuff with, um, oh, what's the name of that uh, anime convention that he did? The Daikon. Yes. His work with Daikon and his other work at Gainax. This is the thing that really put him on the map. And Gumbuster was a pretty big deal, too. Okay. Like, I was recognized for being a good show at the time. And Anno predominantly states that this series is about his own um, struggle and... Uh, overcoming of depression yes a deeply personal story for him in a lot of ways though i think sometimes the interpretation of different things has changed as he's spoken about it over the years Mm -hmm. this show was being prepared and uh as it was getting ready to air a number of things happened that kind of stopped uh that kind of made the show have to change a bit um including a gas attack on the Tokyo subway the year that it was supposed to air. Oh, yeah. Which required um, Anno to go back and rewrite some of the the plot stuff that happened to eerily coincide with the actions of this particular, like, cult that was causing this gas attack. Mm-hmm. And then as well, um, later on as the series goes, um, people talk about um, Anno having sort of a... A, a kind of loose plotline following, so he kind of changed a lot as the story went on, especially after, I think, people talk about episode 16, right? where the story goes that he 
received a book from a friend on psychology and mental illness, which caused him to become more interested in exploring his characters rather than the the typical narrative that he had been building up to then. Mm-hmm. Which ultimately leads to the um, the final two episodes, which are just like a psychoanalysis of uh, the the biggest characters in the series, which caused a lot of um, division uh, in fans at the time about whether or not it was a a proper ending to the series. Yes. And ultimately led to the creation of End of Evangelion, which we'll also be talking about. Mm-hmm. And of Evangelion being a theatrical movie that replaces the final two episodes, or at least that's the general interpretation interpretation of it, because officially no one's ever acknowledged that that's what it's supposed to be, even though it really yeah. obviously is. It, it's it's very much like a recontextualization of it. Yes. Like, uh, the last two episodes changed a lot, and apparently End of Evangelion is closer to what the original um, vision of the last two episodes was, but spread out into a theatrical release. Yeah. So, but despite, like, the, uh, the, the criticisms of the last two episodes and sort of the, the, the changing narrative of the series, this series stands as definitely one of the most beloved anime series of all time and, res- and you know, well-respected. And it's also considered in a lot of ways, like, extremely important to the to like the structure and the genre of anime to come after it totally definitely a lot of people have given uh it credit for kind of making the serialized shorter series a more popular format to go with like Mm -hmm. the 13 episode 26 episode self-contained story sort of thing became more popular thanks to the the just the brunt of evangelion and also seems to have made kind of, like, a more extreme and, like, much larger sort of, like, I guess otaku fan base is the best way to put it, out of this series. Like, even now, people talk about the original series and the characters and, you know, have their waifu wars or whatever about it. Like, it is, it has stood the test of time in a way that not a lot of media does. Yeah. And, like, a lot of things that are good... Other creators came along and saw what Neon Genesis Evangelion did and thought, I can do that too. And then they couldn't. And they, they were not right. And they were not right. Including Hideaki himself. Oh. <laughs> but we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. But first, I think for discussion, we need to at least talk about the structure of the series and the overall plot. Yes. Just to kind of get acquainted with what what this series is. Mm-hmm. So we start out, it's 2015, um, 15 years after a great calamity called the Second Impact. Yes. A, a, some sort of extraterrestrial creature came to Earth and basically caused like a, a nuclear fallout sort of um, disaster. Mm-hmm. Well, it's more like a it's more like a natural disaster. Ah, uh, you're right. It, it is yeah. more natural. There's no like, well, there are leftovers, but it's not quite to the same degree. Yeah. And it's killed, I think, half the human population. They say. Mm-hmm. 
And so we're here in 2015 where more of these extraterrestrials, which they call angels, are coming to Earth and trying to wipe out humanity. But there is an anti-angel army or you know, like government organization called NERVE, headed by one Gendo Ikari. Yes. Which has built these robots called Evangelions to be anti-angel weapons. And when we're talking robots, we're talking like mech robots, like Gundam style. Gundam, but they're definitely a lot more like human in their design. Uh, I don't know. I think Gundams, I think Gundams look closer to being humans than Evangelions do. Because Evangelions are like super skinny and weird. And lanky. Yeah. They... They move a lot more like humans than a Gundam. Okay, yes, okay, that's definitely true. Yeah, they definitely have a much smoother uh, animation to them, but that's... Uh, so we open up with Shinji Ikari, the son of Gendo, being called in by his father to be the pilot of an uh, of an Evangelion. Which I'm going to now call Eva's, because I don't want to say that every time. <laughs> it's what they do in the show most of the time, too. Like, yeah. Does any yeah. character ever actually refer to it as full-on as Evangelion? Maybe the first couple times and like in the in the the when they're doing the flashback. Right. But a lot of the times they're like Ava Unit Zero Zero or Zero One. Yeah. So Shinji is called in by his father to pilot an Eva because the the other pilot they have, a a young teenage girl named Rei Ayanami, is is like really physically weak. Like she she is in the hospital after a different Ava experiment. So they need Shenji to take over. And he he does end up killing the attacking angel, which, not for his own power, uh, the Eva goes berserk. Yeah. And not before belly aching about it a little bit first. Right. He does he does belly ache a little bit, like, I don't want to do this. And then it's like, well, we'll put this we'll we'll put this uh woman with broken arms and legs in, and then <laughs> he's like, fine. Yeah, they basically guilt him into it. Yeah. And then for the next couple episodes, it's, it's sort of getting accustomed to life at Nerve for Shinji and learning sort of the the ins and outs of what it means to be a pilot for Nerve and uh, a pilot of an Eva. Yeah. And also his new domestic life with uh, Misato, who is like the executive head at Nerve. Yes. She's basically going to be his guardian. Yes. At one point... There's a part where um, Shinji and Gendo are talking, and Shinji's talking about how Gendo has to come to his school for like a for like a career prospect thing, and Gendo literally says that all parent business has been delegated to Misato. <laughs> yeah, so Misato is now taking care of all of that, and Shinji has some trouble with people at school who don't respect him as an Ava pilot because of the destruction he caused in his first fight. Mm-hmm. He has issues dealing with the the stress of what it means to battle and the ramifications of if he fails and all these other troubles that come along with it. And uh, for a number of episodes, it's it's uh, kind of in and out as Shinji deals with his own issues with the whole process, as well as fighting these different angels that come up. Yes, they fight. Th- it's it's a pretty decent pace. It's about one episode for a while. Mm -hmm. one every two. Then we get introduced to the third child as as an Ava pilot. Asuka Langley 
Shoryu? Yes. Shoryu? Yeah. That's right. She is half German, half Japanese, and in comparison to the sort of cowardly uh, Shinji, or conflicted Shinji, and uh, the emotionless Rei, Asuka is larger than life, very confident in her abilities, and very... um, Fiery. Yes, fiery is probably the best, it's the nicest word for sure to say what Asuka is. <laughs> yeah. But Asuka sees herself as much better than the other two for her attitude. Mm-hmm. That she's a very good pilot. Which she proves by killing an angel um, at sea during her travels from Germany to Japan to join Nerve. Yeah, and also by having a higher synchronization rate with her Eva than the other two pilots. Yeah, I guess that is something important to say. You can't just pilot an Eva, which is why they're taking these speci- these particular kids to do it. They mm-hmm. have to be able to synchronize with an Eva in one way or another to be able to uh, function with it. Yeah. And we're not really given sort of the details on it till later, so that's about as much as we know, is there's some kind of syncing process. Mm-hmm. With Asuka, we suddenly have more situations of trying to synchronize between uh, different pilots and make them uh, fight together now that they have a more proper, like, force and rather not just, like, a singular person going out at a time. Yes. And some other um, interesting, like, non-angel stuff, like the the episode in the volcano, mm-hmm. where they find kind of like an unborn angel and try to capture it before it uh it unleashes yes and it's also at this point that it starts to or around this point that it starts to become clear that the angels don't just come to earth to attack earth as a whole they're trying to get to the bottom of the nerve headquarters because something is there evidently they want yeah like there's there's one in particular that has like a drill that drills into nerve headquarters to try to access something yeah, and there's also the one that starts to, like, leak acid right above Nerve Headquarters. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there are some episodes that aren't even about angels. There's sort of a fascinating one just about, like, uh, the, all the power supply just shutting down and stuff like that. And these other issues where, like, they're going through maintenance and suddenly an angel attacks. Yeah, there's the one where where the angel hacks their computer. <laughs> Yeah, it's, there's, um, we'll get into it more, but I think there are a lot of very interesting ways that they do different fights. Yeah. And there's also a subplot, uh, with, um, what's his name? Kaju? Kaji? Uh, the, the other kid? No, the guy, uh, Misato's, Misato's ex-lover. Oh, yeah, that is, so, yeah, I guess we have been kind of going over the supporting staff. Um, yeah, it is Kaji. Yeah, Kaji, who uh, works at Nerve uh, as is some nebula. He has a nebulous role there, but he also works for a different organization who's trying to figure out like w- whether there's some shady stuff going on at Nerve or not. And also, another organization called Mardok gets involved, who are responsible ostensibly for finding pilots for the Evas. And we also learn that Nerve is under a like shadow organization called Seal. Yes. Who are reading from uh, a document called the Dead Sea Scrolls that, like, seems to be some sort of, like, premonition of the future in one way or another. 
it's like a weird combination because it predicts stuff like the angels landing, but they also have pressure nerve into making sure that the events actually move towards the premonition. Mm-hmm. So they themselves have to affect it too. Yeah, it's not just a, this is going to happen. Yeah, this is more like, this needs to happen. Right, for whatever they're doing. And everything we can't affect, we just have to hope happens, and it does. Yeah. And then at this point, we've reached about the halfway point. This is where some of the, like, um, some of the kind of weird sort of psychological stuff happens, starting with Ray, who has this moment that's, like, a couple minutes long of just, like, analysis of what it means to be an individual and what it means to be human, which just kind of, like, gets brushed off for now, but happens. Yeah. This is where we learn that Kaji is a double-crosser who's trying to figure out what's happening in Nerve. Yes. And gets caught trying to figure out what's going on, and we find that they are housing the the first angel that fell to Earth, Adam. Supposedly. Supposedly, in Nerve. Yes. Then we reach a point where they're looking for another pilot, and they choose a fellow student of Shinji's named Suzuhara, who until then has been sort of like a comic relief, unremarkable sort of side character uh, to interact with Shinji. Yeah. And when he is put into this experimental Ava, not in Nerve's headquarters, but in a secondary Nerve headquarters for testing. Yeah, because it's it was made in Germany, right? Right. It yeah. turns out that an angel has infected the Eva. Oh heck. And basically takes it over, which causes a lot of internal struggle with Shinji in particular, uh, and to a lesser extent, Rei and Asuka, to be able to fight it because Suzuhara is in the Eva. Mm-hmm. And eventually, it turns out that um, Gendo has prepared for this and has put in a a dummy... AI, basically, that will uh, fight regardless of the pilot's intentions. Yeah. And it fucking crushes the <laughs> it crushes the cockpit that Suzuhara is in. Well, first it tears the head of the Eve, of the angel Eva off, and yeah, then it, is it crushes super the cockpit. Brutal. Yeah. And then crushes the cockpit, and it is nuts. Uh, Shinji, understandably, gets really mad about this. Yeah, because the thing about the Eva is, right, is that there's a spiritual connection between the machine and the people and the person that's riding it, because that's also why they have to synchronize and stuff. So, in Shinji's eyes, even though Gendo forced the Evangelion to do it, Shinji still feels like Toji was attacked by his own hands, because he was piling yeah, the Yeah, he still feels somewhat responsible. Yeah. And so, he starts making threats that he's going to let loose his Eva on Nerve Headquarters. Mm -hmm. But he is forced out and decides to quit Nerve. Well, he's pretty much pressured into quitting. Yeah, for for his attitude. He kind of gets put on suspension, more or less. And he is confronted by his father about how Shinji is a coward... (laughs) Who runs away as things get hard, and Shinji's like, yeah, well, guess what? I'm leaving, so uh, eat that. So it doesn't Mm -hmm. work to, like, whatever Gendo's trying to do to apparently get him back. Yeah. So he 
he is leaving, he goes to the evacuation zone, all that. And it turns out that this new angel that comes down during his um his leaving the city uh just wrecks uh Asuka and Ray. This one's real strong, yeah. And it doesn't help that Ray is physically weakened and has like a broken arm again. Mm-hmm. But kind of Shinji sees that she's fighting even though she's, you know, she's handicapped in this way and eventually comes to a sort of realization that he's he kind of needs to do it because without him, even if he has to kill someone, more people are going to die if he doesn't help. Yeah. Despite that this job has been forced upon him, he's required to fight. Um so he does and his Eva goes berserk again during the fight. And um, this is where we start learning more about the Eva's because the Eva's real fucked up and starts eating the angel. Yeah. Well, it starts e- eating its engine. Yeah. And so eventually, like, some of the armor falls off. You find out that there's, like, a, a fucked up flesh monster underneath the the robot outside that you thought was just a robot. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that Eva's have souls. And are in some way based off of angels. Yeah. So in some way, these angels have been reformed into Avas to be able to be piloted and used to fight the angels. Then uh, during this whole bit, Shinji loses control of the robot and is sort of like sucked into his own subconsciousness. Mm hmm. Where he kind of goes through this crisis, thinking about sort of like his his fears and his desires to be um, respected and recognized, as well as um, some light Oedipal uh, things that come up in his need for like validation and comfort, which it has this weird moment where he's. Re- the the Eva releases his pod, his cockpit pod, and the only thing that's left of him is his um his plug suit. Like he's fully become his subconscious. Yeah, don't forget about the part where the Eva births births itself. Oh, you're right. That's oh man, th- there's so much fucked up shit. We'll get to it. Yeah, all right. All right. But uh, but Shinji ends up coming back uh due to a vision of his mother that he has in his subconscious. Mm-hmm. And then it very um non-discreetly just, like, says the, the like, psychological Oedipal thing. It talks about the oral stage. And it's just like, oh, thanks, thanks, Anno. I didn't get it. <laughs> and then uh, we find that Misato and Kaji are back together and seem to be having some sort of plotting to figure out what's going on in Nerve. Right. Uh, after which they have a very, very long uh, sex scene right in the middle of the, <laughs> right at the end of the episode. Yeah. And then Kaji gets shot. Not yet. This is, we're getting right to that. Okay. Um, but yes. So we start to get a flashback of sort of the, the, the older characters pre-Nerve. Yeah. So we see Shinji's mom kind of writing about Ava-style experiments about the consciousness and stuff. Yeah, it's a flashback to right after Second Impact. Yes. Um... Or right before. Is it right before? It's right before. Well, it starts oh, out it right starts before. right. You're right. Yes. Okay. 
Because Shinji's mom died. No. Well, either way. Um, Gendo is there, and he's he's as much of a troublemaker as he seems to be put out in the series, because he constantly goes against what Seal tells him to do. Uh-huh. But then just goes, hey, I got results, right? Like, he clearly has his own thing going on. Mm-hmm. Outside of Seal. Uh, Seal um, backs Shinji's mom in her work to, to, you know, get all this figured out. Seal covers up Second Impact in order to get exclusive investigation um, privileges on it. And it is believed that at this point, Seal in some way knew and caused Second Impact in order to start this whole train rolling. Yeah. We have Eva made from Adam, the original the original uh, angel. Then we kind of get this, this buildup of sort of like, as after um, Shinji's mom dies in an initial Ava experiment, it, Gendo changes and becomes a lot more cold, calculating like he is in the original series. And also, he ends up causing indirectly the suicide of the mother of one of the scientists who works for him, Ritsuko. Mm-hmm. Because Ray is shows up as a young child and is the worst small child ever. <laughs> yeah, Ray Ray like goes up to uh, Ritsuko's mom, who uh, Gendo is having a fling with, and is like, "Yeah, Gendo always talks about how you're like a nosy bitch <laughs> and old, and, and old. Yeah, like oh, it's old hag." He always calls yeah. you the old hag. And so this woman gets really mad and seems to strangle Ray. Yes. And in the fear of that commits suicide. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a really unfortunate thing that's like a weird pacing thing where right after that, the sort of subsection of seal that they were working at, which is called Garum, I think, uh-huh. uh, gets shut down and replaced by Nerve, which is basically the exact same company. So the implication is that they shut down the company and build up a new exact replica just because this one lady <laughs> just killed right on herself. Top of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then uh, we come back to current times. Kaji has sort of like, it seems he has figured out the secret of what's going on at Nerve, leaves a message for Misato to get, and then gets fucking shot and dies. Yeah. Then we get a uh, background on Asuka and her parental, particularly mother issues, as mm-hmm. we have seen with Shinji. But hers are much, I guess, deeper. It seems like her mom went crazy. Yeah. And definitely, like, disassociated Asuka as a person with a, kind of a doll and tried to do this, like, joint suicide thing with mm-hmm. Asuka. Which definitely fucked her up, and this gets into that. Yeah. Um, because Asuka is starting to get really affected by the fact that she's constantly being saved by Shinji. Yeah. Her, her self-confidence is going down. It makes her ability to sync with the Evas worse. And Asuka just has a lot of issues being honest about herself, meaning that she's bottling it up and just becoming worse and worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode includes the iconic elevator scene. Yes. Uh, the elevator scene, which is uh, about a minute, maybe a minute and a half, unchanging single shot of Rey and Asuka in an elevator refusing to talk to each other. And it's also this episode where... The angel shows up that fires a sun laser that makes the hallelujah song play in the background. 
Yes. Yep. Uh, it's a psychological attack. And it's a perfect thing where as soon as it hits Asuka, it starts playing like the Ode to Joy or whatever. No, it's not Ode to Joy. That's something else. It's not that's Ode what, to Joy. It's That's what the, the uh, uh, an upcoming character hums. That's that's right. Um, but it is yeah. it is one of those types of songs. Mm-hmm. At which point uh, we have this sort of like psychoanalysis of Asuka and sort of the, the, the joint suicide thing. Her hatred of Rey based on Rey being very similar to her own mother in the way that they're treated. There's this very um, cryptic bit that doesn't really get expanded on where Asuka claims that she's been defiled in some way. Yeah. At which point Rey pops in and throws the so uh, earlier on they've retrieved a a some kind of weapon called the lance of longinus yeah which ray then gets which is shoved into i believe adam's corpse at the bottom of nerve right and throws it through the angel which is in space which is why uh-huh. they can't shoot it with normal weapons and then it gets stuck in the orbit of the moon yes okay everyone is fucking miserable right now mm-hmm. after this fight. Including um, me. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone is absolutely miserable. Misato isn't handling the death of Kaji well. Asuka isn't handling her psychological attack well. Shinji's always got problems. And we don't know every- anything that's going on with Rei. Yeah. We get a big Asuka moment of self-reflection, which is the, the line, I hate everyone, but mostly I hate myself. Mm-hmm. And people try to be comforting to her, but it just makes her feel even worse about this whole thing. Yeah. Um, right. Unit one is out of commission. Shinji can't do shit. That's why he feels like garbage. I almost uh-huh. forgot. Because it went berserk, they've refused to use it again because they're worried about what might happen. Yes. We then have Ray fighting another Eva, which ends up being another parasitic one that tries to merge with the Eva and take over. Yeah. An angel. Yeah, sorry, an angel tries to yeah. merge with the Eva. It's like a weird ringworm-looking thing. Yeah, which uh, Ray ends up fucking self-destructing the Eva to save everyone else. Yeah. Um, but she she ends up surviving. There's uh, a questioning with Seal, because Seal is becoming increasingly unhappy with Gendo's actions. Mm-hmm. Um, we learn about who Ray is after this. And it turns out that Ray is a series of genetically like created or like manufactured humans and, that are, I think, based off of Shinji's mom in some way. Yes. Yeah. There's there's something there, and Ray, or at least the current incarnation of Ray, seems to have been born with a soul, which is something that was unexpected. Because Ray yeah. is just supposed to be a manufactured human. And that is, we also find out that the dummy plugs that Gendo used, like the AIs that we thought were in the Evangelions, the dummy plugs are actually just filled with the other failed, or quote-unquote failed, Ray clones. Yeah, and we also see a just like, basically a jar filled with like 20 different Rays. Yeah, and then Ritsuko blows them up. Yeah. Uh, cause Ritsuko is also having a fling with Gendo and there's this whole jealousy thing cause everyone loves Gendo for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why he's not that hot. Come on. Yeah. He's, he's not that hot. And when he takes off those glasses, he's super creepy. Yeah. So then we have the very end. Asuka has a replacement coming in 
uh, named Kaworu. Mm-hmm. And Kaworu is like... Really gay. That That is definitely true. But he's also, um, compared to everyone else, even Asuka at the start, he's very chipper. He's very happy-go-lucky. He's got a yes. weird sort of optimism to him, even as, like, Tokyo 3, the city they're in, is just, like, basically, like, flooded. Yeah. Like, it is not in a good state. He's also gay in the 1900th sense of the word. Yes. But also, he almost immediately, like, meets Shinji and says, I love you. And that's... Yeah. Puts the moves on him in the hot spring. Yep. Uh, Kaworu's birthday is um, the second impact. Big coincidence. Hmm. Um, Kaworu syncs very naturally with Ava O2, even though it's set to Oscar right now. Coincidence. That's weird. Kaworu kind of becomes very quick friends with Shinji for being, I think, a very positive beacon in his life where everyone else is going through some miserable, miserable shit. Yeah. But then it turns out that Kaworu is the final messenger from the angels and is, in fact, the 17th and final angel. Mm-hmm. Um, sent in by seal to get to Adam. Yeah. And he is able to access the evil without a plug. He starts flying around with it and just destroying shit in Nerve. And it seems that Kaworu is, like, made up of all of the analysis that the other angels were able to do and were able to construct Kaworu. Mm-hmm. So he's, like, genetically created to be a perfect insider. <laughs> um, turns out that when he gets to the bottom and he finds that um, angel corpse, that is not Adam, the first angel, but in fact, the second angel, Lilith. Adam has gone into, like, this carbonated, or, um, carbonite state. And being held by Gendo. Yeah. At which point Quar is like, well, goddamn, Gendo got me. These these <laughs> humans, they're smart. Eva 01 is sent in because it's the only Eva left that can do anything. And so Shinji is forced to kill this guy who has been so open and honest with him this whole time. Quarus says that he's been genuine the whole time and that he's just here to prepare Shinji for the end. At which point Ode to Joy plays, and for about two full minutes, we have a single shot of Shinji holding Kaworu in the Eva's hand before crushing him and killing him. Yeah. This is where shit goes weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, weirder. Um, so, they, they announced that that was the last angel, and they don't really have any connection between the last episode and this one, but I think we can say the implication is that the human instrument... The Human Instrumentality Project, which is what Seal has been working towards, yes. has finished. And what it's supposed to do is, because all humans have a void in their hearts, um, due to some amount of emptiness, that people try to find ways to patch up through love or material possessions or other things to fill this instinctual emptiness... They're going to take everyone's souls and make it a single collective so that there is no individuality. There is just one. Yeah. And these two, these three episodes are an exploration of Misato as a character, Asuka as a character, and Shinji as a character. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of Rei in there, too, but 
Uh, predominantly, it's about those three and the way that all of them are lonely and want and in a lot of ways are just looking for attention as right. the way to fill the hole in their heart is they want people to, they want people to like them. Mm-hmm. The, and a lot of it's from fear and inability to trust and these, these parental issues that cause deep psychological star- scars within them and how the way that they run away is just a, is more like a coping mechanism to deal with these struggles. Eventually, Shinji realizes, um, or Shinji has a, has a vision of a, a world in which there are no Evas and everyone's happy and it's just kind of like a slice of life, sort of like wonderful, sort of wacky rom com kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And realizes that when he runs away, he's not any more happy than when he stays. And comes to the realization that. You can't expect other people to love you, and you can't expect to love other people until you love yourself. Mm-hmm. Your warped perception, perceptions of yourself are the reason that you are unhappy in Shinji's case. And once he is learning to, once he learns that he needs to love himself, he can start to learn to become whole without needing other people. At which point he breaks out of it, and they do the congratulations scene where everyone claps for him and says he did a good job. Yeah. And that's the end of the TV series. Mm-hmm. End of Evangelion is just the last two episodes, but there's um, contextualization around it. They show the things that lead up to the the creation of the Human Instrumentality Project and uh, and a sequence for after it. So for End of Evangelion, Seal is even more mad at Gendo and decides <laughs> that they're just going to fucking take over Nerve. The, yeah. All the angels are dead. They can just take what they want now. They can kill all of them. So they send in like eight or nine armies uh, to, to take down Nerve. Shinji, after the death of Kawaru, is even more useless than anything he's ever done in the series. Mm-hmm. And so Asuka is able to come to terms with her mother issues. Because I, I think her mother's soul is the one that's in her Eva, is the idea. I don't know about that. But there's there's definitely a moment where Asuka in the Eva comes to this realization that her AT field is built out of her mother or something like that. Right. There is there is some kind of look, Eva has a lot of open ends. Yeah, we definitely we know for sure that uh Shinji's mother is in his Eva. Right. We know that for sure. Asuka has some kind of moment with her mother where she realizes at least her AT field in some way is a protection by her mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and does a sick fight scene with a bunch of seals, genetically created Eva, like soldiers, mm-hmm. which seem to be unkillable, and then just like kind of eviscerate Asuka's Eva. It's really brutal and disgusting. Well, she does a pretty good job at first. She does a good job, but then it turns out that they're unstoppable. Yeah, they all revive. It turns out the angels are born of Lilith. Um, the one of the angels, and each of them is a possible evolution of humanity. Seal in- wants to initiate this third impact via the Human Instrumentality Project to wipe out humanity and create their collective soul. Shinji finally pops up just in time to see Asuka getting her uh, bowels removed, or her Eva's bowels removed, at which point he flips out and basically becomes a catalyst for the project. Mm-hmm. 
a lot of stuff happens. The project is a success, and he goes through the same psychological um, situations with Ray, with um, well, with Ray and Asuka and Misato, and uh, Kawaru shows up as well. Um, it's a much crueler, I think, version of the last two episodes. Yeah. Uh, and finally, once he's able to break through the project, he and Asuka are the two left on the the new Tokyo beach, basically, uh, with the possibility that others will come out once they've come to accept themselves. Yeah. Uh, Shinji then, thinking that Asuka is still unconscious, tries to uh, strangle her, at which point he she wakes up, kind of like holds his face in her hands, and he stops choking her and starts crying, leading to the final line of Asuka just looking at Shinji and going, disgusting. Yeah. Also, this is the second time in the movie that Shinji chokes out Asuka. And also, the movie starts with Shinji jerking off over Asuka unconscious in the hospital. Yeah, okay, so sorry, we should have gotten to all that. Yeah, um, so he was important. choking something that first time. <laughs> yeah, while he's in um, the Human Instrumentality Project, he has a moment where he's trying to cling to Asuka as someone who will, you know, someone who will protect him. And yep. his subconscious Asuka is even more rude than the real one and kind of is like trying to make him come to terms with the fact that he he's leaning on people to justify his own existence, at which point he tries to strangle her. And mm-hmm. uh, Kamsus or Todd plays, and it's beautiful. It's, yeah, it is. That's a good song. Um, so that's that's Evangelion. Mm-hmm. It took us a while to get there, but that's the whole plot of Evangelion. There's a lot to go on, and I think we'll get to some of the finer details once we get into the analysis. Yeah. So the first thing I wanted to bring up in terms of like talking about the whole thing is how I feel like I was given a different expectation going into this series than what I got out of it. Right. Like a lot of people point to the the psychological stuff and the ending and all these other things that are like critiques and stuff and very heavy into the 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 analysis part of it mm-hmm. but also there's just like some really cool robot shit that no one i don't feel like anyone talks about and yeah. there's a lot of like interesting character stuff that subverts i think a lot of like the the fandom interpretations of characters yeah if you were to believe just what people tell you about neon genesis evangelion you could be forgiven for thinking that at the halfway point the robots just disappear and it's 13 episodes of people being depressed yeah because i think that's a lot of what people say and definitely people play up shinji's like reluctance to be a you know to fight in a war getting the robot shinji yeah like the whole shinji getting the robot meme is like way overstating yeah, how I, much I, I she's like fights against it. I mean he he does, but right, but he gets in the robot in the first episode. Like I don't get where that I genuinely don't understand where that meme came from. He gets in the robot in the first episode and there's one whole episode at the very beginning where he also like deals with the like the aspects of not wanting to do it because, you know, the fear of death and all that. Yeah. Like he has these moments where he deals with it, and I guess I can sort of see it from End of Evangelion, but people treat the TV series as if it's just like, Shinji feels bad and doesn't do anything for tw- 10 episodes, and it's not true. 
well, here's the thing, right? When Neon Genesis Evangelion first started airing on American t- television, the producers didn't know what they had on their hands. So they just marketed as this new sick robot television show that's going <laughs> to kick ass, and then it turns out that that's not what it's like at all. All right, fair. Yeah. And that, you know, that's, that's, that's an issue that's going to come up. I think not so much anymore mm-hmm. in, in anime, but at the time, anime was kind of a hot commodity. So you only got very specific shows, and you didn't always know ahead of time what was going to happen with them. Yeah. Because a lot of anime at the time was very straightforward, and um, Ano Hideaki has talked about it, or Hideaki Ano has talked about it, how Evangelion was sort of made to to push the boundaries of what anime had become to him. Yeah. So it doesn't follow a perfect narrative, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't hit all the same beats you might expect out of an action show perfectly. But still, there's, like, a lot of cool action shit that no one talks about. There is a lot of good action. It does take a while for the really good action to start coming in, because all the early fights before, I guess, before Asuka shows up are pretty boring. Like, there's a one where the uh, where they fight the, the angel that just looks like a crystal. That's just them sitting around shooting guns for ten minutes. And that's pretty lame. I kind of liked the sniping bit, though. I mean, it wasn't bad, but I can understand why people would think that that's boring. Sure, but I thought it was really... I think the there's one thing that I think this series does really well, and it's that it makes all of the angel fights distinct. Yeah. There's no angel fight that plays out the exact same way as another one. Well, I think the one that is just... Um... The one that they do after Shinji has been, has left Nerve, that one's kind of just whatever. Okay, fair, but I, but like for the most part, I guess. Yes, because you have the one that's the you have the sniping one. You have that one where they all three of them have to stop this angel from falling down. Mm-hmm. You have the one in the volcano that was that embryo that they have to catch. You have the one that's just a big pit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The oh yeah, the the one that pulls Asuka in. Yeah. It's just. Or no, it pulls uh, Shinji in. It pulls Shinji in, yeah. Shinji in is just this huge, basically, shadow yeah. that uh, sucks people in. You have the one in space who fights um, Asuka that shoots the that shoots the classical music beam. Yeah. Like, you have the they're, hacker they're one. mostly distinct. Yeah, the one that just, the one that just, like, hacks its way into it to try to make it self-destruct. That's, like, that has nothing to do with the Evas, and it is cool as shit. Yeah. And people don't talk about that. People talk about the psychological stuff, which is a big part of it, even before the turn, I think. Mm-hmm. I think through the entire thing, they're trying to build up sort of the, the psychoanalysis aspect of it. It just happens to get even deeper, especially in the last two episodes. Yeah. As the series goes on. But that's always been there. They, I feel like fans act as if there's this huge turn. Right. And it doesn't feel that way. Yeah, I don't get that either, because I think the the slowest stuff is actually right at the start, like, for the first couple of episodes. Yeah, as they're sort of starting things off. Yeah, and all the, like, really big action scenes are around the middle. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's weird. And I, it is a slow start, because I think one thing this show does that ultimately is done well, is they don't take a lot of time to just explain shit. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll just say a whole bunch of terminology. They won't explain it until it becomes 
a something that would be natural in the plot line. Like once Shinji's in Nerve, they start explaining, oh hey, you know, here are these Evas, this is what they do, and this is what Nerve does. Yeah. And some terminology. But it, it does trust the viewer to sort of like not get bogged down with all this stuff so that the first couple episodes are even slower. Mm-hmm. Which I think it does well. But yeah, it it definitely builds and it gets even better in the middle. There's an image out there. Um, I'll put it on the on the video version itself, but I'll also explain what it looks like to you. Do you know the meme where it's the the uh, journalist from EGM watching E3 sitting on a couch looking bored? And then there's a picture underneath it that's them again in the exact same position, but they're like super excited and pointing and yes. stuff. Okay, so it's that. And then it's them looking bored for episode one through six. Uh, then it's them looking excited for episode seven through 23. Then for episode 24, which is, uh, where, which is where Kaoru shows up, uh, it's them still looking excited, but the colors are inverted. <laughs> and then for episode 25 and 26, they Photoshop three of the guys out and there's just one guy left on the couch looking excited and that's me. Um, I've seen that one. It's like, oh, yeah. damn. But the point of the image is, right, that from what I understand, people think the show doesn't get interesting until Asuka shows up. Which I don't think is true. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand that because, like, obviously, it's it's a show that's cool and it has action bits and it gets really strange partway through. But I also think it's just like it has killer direction right from the start. Yeah, like the the dynamic changes for sure when Asuka shows up. Yeah. Well, it's also just that that's the first like really crazy action scene in the series. Yeah, because he's jumping from ship to ship, doing all yeah, kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, they ship to ship, they throw the two sunken warships into the angels' mouths, mouths and then detonate the cannons. It's pretty wild. <laughs> it's, it's, it is metal as shit. Yeah. Which is super cool. But, um, yeah, like, to say that those first couple episodes are just, like, nothing seems so weird to me. Yeah. Because there's still so much happening, and there's still plenty of cool action stuff and like some really good direction i think totally like the first thing that really hit me about like the direction and stuff is the the use of like these super hard cuts that mm-hmm. um ano does yeah and it happens in the it happens um really strongly in like the second episode but also continues through where it's like uh, in particular, the, the first one is Shinji getting wrecked by the first angel in his Eva. Yeah. And it, like, cuts as, like, I think his the, the stomach of the Eva starts bleeding. Mm-hmm. It has this hard cut to him in the hospital post-fight. Post and you, you know that somehow he has survived and the angel's dead. But you don't get to know until several minutes later. Mm-hmm. And it's a really good job of keeping up the, well, what the fuck happened sort yeah. of feeling. And I think that's fantastic. It's really good. And it happens multiple times. That's really good. Yeah. Uh, and just shot composition is really good, too. Like, it's, I think it's very rare in this show for there to be a cut that is not at least a little bit interesting. Like it's it's weird going from Evangelion back to most modern shows because a lot of them are very have very simple direction. Like it's just you know flat shots. Characters are just kind of there. 
you know, there's, it, they're not really composed in any way. It doesn't really matter how colors reflect off each other or the distance between stuff or the angle. But in, in NGE, it does. And that's great. And there's a ton of detail to it. Like, yeah. the, the, the amount of detail in, like, the, all the mechanical designs, like the tanks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the way, I mean, this is probably one of the more iconic pieces of animation from it, that the, the bit where the angel crushes that rocket. Oh, yeah, I was going to talk about that. Yeah, that part's nuts. The way that it, the way that it folds and cracks is fucking amazing. It is. There's also the, uh, I don't remember which angel it is. I think it's when they destroy the, uh, the, the, the boring one, the one that I said was boring earlier when Shinji's gone. There's like a really tall explosion that comes out of that. Mm-hmm. That is a really good moment too. And the, like the first time we see the Evangelion come up from underground is also uh-huh. like nuts. Just seeing all the machinery move about. Yeah. There's so much like mechanical stuff to it that just animates so well, including the Evas. Yeah. Yes. Like they're robots, but they are so clearly like animated as if they were human, like bending in ways that would be impossible for a robot. Mm-hmm. But they are still it's really heavy. Awesome. Yes, there's still weight to it. And you can you can definitely tell that, yeah. And, like, the, the absolute, like, visceral sort of, like, direction when it comes to, like, the disembowelment and, like, mm-hmm. um, the, the uh, dismemberment of robots and angels is unbelievable. Yeah. My favorite bit of that is probably an end of Evangelion when Asuka lifts one of the, like, fake Evangelions up above her head and just tears it in half. Yeah, that's so fucked up. (laughs) It is really messed up. And then when you see, like, the face ripped off of her Eva, and it's got, like, the six eyeballs in sockets with the, like, fucking, um, like, with all the fucking stuff in the back, like, they're Mm -hmm. connected like eyeballs would be, like, is disgusting sometimes how much detail goes into these horrifying abominations. And what about all the angels that have the weird vagina eyes? Yep. A lot that of detail happens. in those, too. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, sexual imagery in this series, which I was surprised by given how um, vocal Anno has been before about, like, fan service and stuff. Yeah. But I think his all have, like, a purpose, more or less. Like, some some of it's still a little, I think, gratuitous for how he acts. Mm-hmm. But, like, you can tell that all of it's supposed to play into sort of the, like... I guess, budding sexualization of Shenji, you yeah. know? Yeah, I think there's very little fan service in the show that has absolutely no purpose. Like, you know, there's the there's the scene uh, where Shinji goes to Rei's apartment and then they do the thing where, he, where they trip and he lands on her and he has his hands on her breasts or whatever. And it's right. about how, first of all, it's shot to be really not sexy at all. Uh, right, it good. is the least. It is the least sexy one of those uh, scenes you might ever see. Yeah, and it's like about how both of them have really repressed sexuality, and that's great. And very different looks at this sort of situation where Shinji is very embarrassed. Ray, yeah. like it's just like, hey, get off. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of other shows do that exact same thing, exact same scene, and make it shitty and gross and terrible. I mean, it is gross, but unintentionally and well 
yes, unintentionally, am bad. Yeah. And so it, I think it handles all that well. Uh, the masturbation scene's a little... Mm, they animated that in a way. Well, they don't, really, they, they don't animate any of that. They animated the aftermath in a way. Well, yeah, that's true. Well, they just drew it. I'm pretty sure the shot isn't actually animated. That... The, when he's looking at his hand, yeah, it moves. Oh, that might be right. It's it and it's and it's surprising because it is like, in the it it feels like disgustingly accurate. <laughs> like because it's it's not just liquid, you know. Like they yeah. really make it, and it's like, whew. But you know that plays into its own thing later. Yeah. But yeah, I just. It feels like when people talk about this show, it's in completely different tones than I would expect. Yeah. I do. I wonder what it's like to have gone into this series expecting it to just be a cool mech action show. Because I, I knew going in what I was in for. So for me, it was like it was a way more straightforward experience. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty good. But I can imagine if you felt that emotional whiplash from wanting to get this cool this series that's just nothing but cool robot fights to this series that's half cool robot fights and half sad kids you know right. that taking the wind out of your sails a little bit yeah it's, it's it's hard to tell because there are some situations in anime you just can't reproduce yeah you you cannot possibly reproduce um watching this show for the first time yeah in the same way that, like, uh, I'm trying to think of a... What was it? Um, like, you can't also, like, have the same experience watching Madoka the way that it... When it aired because of the whole, like, earthquake causing the last three episodes to be delayed right after, yeah. like, a big fucking twist or whatever. Mm-hmm. There are certain things in anime you just... Or in media in general... That at some point you just can't experience it the same way. And Evangelion has such a huge like following and fan reaction and stuff. And it's become such a, a cornerstone that you you really can't go into it without some expectation yeah. anymore. Whether it be good or bad. And that makes me wonder, right? Do you think if going in people had known... Oh, it's about like it's about like character reflection and psychology and being depressed, and and sometimes there's robots. If people had known that going in, uh, and people didn't have their expectations warped and shattered, do you think Evangelion would have ended up being as big of a deal as it is now? I don't think so. Yeah, me neither. Because I think it, and you know, it. Anno has talked about it where it came at a time where anime was very cookie cutter. Yeah. Um, in a lot of ways, and his. Uh, his hope with this series was to, to to shake up at least the perception of what anime could be. And boy, did he do that. And, and boy, did he. It's, it's, um, it's very divisive, especially yeah. with the ending. But I think that it's, you know, he, he definitely presented something that ended up changing a lot of what people thought anime could be, at least for a while. Yeah. You know, it, it, it made... The idea of like serialized original stories more profitable more than just like adaptations and stuff you know it it did it did affect the 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 climate of anime in a lot of ways yeah. in some ways for the better in some way for the worst because it also created like a 200 billion otaku you know yeah there's also like i think 
Neon Genesis Evangelion is probably the oldest anime that's still actively influencing new anime. Um, because, like, you could, you could sort of route the major influences of anime in history. You know, it started with Astro Boy and all that, and then you move a little bit, like, a couple decades ahead, then you have Evangelion. And then after that, I mean, you Gundam have maybe... before that, you know. Right, totally, but... Um, and then after that, maybe there was, you know, Haruhi sort of popularized the Moe stuff, and then you have, uh, for example, you have Sword Art Online making the new type of light novel stuff popular again. Uh, but I feel like Evangelion is the oldest show that new shows still actively want to be like. Yeah, okay, I can see that. Because yeah. I think Gundam has changed so much mm -hmm. um, in tone and writer and quality in a way that just like, it is its own huge franchise, but it is not shaking things in the same way that the original might have. Yeah. And even at the start, it was low rated enough that it ended up getting canceled early. Um, <laughs> Evangelion made its whole 26 weeks, you know, and yeah. it did something, you know, like even when it was airing, people were like, oh, this is, you know, this is the thing. This, you know, this was the thing that like everyone probably could have gotten into. Yeah. Like, there's probably more to be gotten out of it if you have sort of like a, and uh, like a, a familiarity with sort of the, the things it tries to subvert yeah. in like, in Mecha in particular, like mm -hmm. main characters and stuff, but you still get a lot out of it just watching how it handles the psychology of these, these young characters forced into war, you know? Mm -hmm. And Gun tries to do that a lot. And then, they don't do a very good job most of the time. I mean, sometimes it works, but I think it also is like Neon Genesis Evangelion has its has a benefit to it in that it is not constantly trying to sell toys. I mean, not at the time anyway. Right. But like Gundam, I think the reason it got popular is because of the models and stuff. So they had to kind of always work towards that. I don't know about that. I don't think it was always like that. I think that's just after Sunrise got bought out by Bandai. Because I could have... I mean, I don't know a ton about Gundam, but I thought that the reason Gundam was allowed to exist after it got cancelled the first time is because people got really into building the models and stuff and thought the robot designs were cool. Well, I don't know either, so you could be right. Yeah, but I think Evangelion has a thing because it was... At the time, it was so disconnected from that. It was just Ano Hideaki... Or Hideaki Ano wants to make an anime. Yeah. Um, that really, like, shook things up. Because if you look at anime now, uh, if you look at mecha anime coming out now, if it's just a straightforward action show that's about having a good time, and it's not about, like, psychology or the horrors of war or being sad, then that's weird. Like, that's the outlier now. Like Kurumakuro. Yeah. Kurumakuro is, it, it, people talk about it because, like, oh, it's because this ancient samurai has to learn how to pilot a robot and fucking cool yeah but but then you also get like things that very much want to get to that sort of like characterization stuff like uh i'll know a zero Ex I, that was the example i was gonna pick yeah ah cool and you know is that a good thing or a bad thing i don't know but it's a thing it, it's hard it's to happening. say but you definitely see a trend in mecha anime towards that sort of thing yeah Towards trying to achieve intellectual depth. Yeah, and sometimes it succeeds. I hear that the Iron-Blooded Orphans is one of the stronger character-based uh, Gundam shows for being written by uh, Mario Kata, 
mm-hmm. and kind of getting away from sort of just like the what if we had cool robots kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. That that I think has plagued is a bad word for it, but has definitely like gotten in the way, I think, sometimes. Absolutely. Before we get too far into sort of off-topic discussions, I want to talk to you about uh, a scene that fans debate all the time. Okay. Uh, as far as I know. And that is the final scene of End of Evangelion. Right. End of Evangelion ends with Genji trying to choke out uh, Asuka as they both escape the Human Instrumentality Project. Mm-hmm. As Ray's, half of Ray's face falls into the ocean. Yeah. God, that's... That, Having seen that for so many years and finally seeing the context for it is even weirder than, <laughs> like, you could imagine from the the basis of that image. Yeah, because you'd think, End of Evangelion, you know, it's a, an hour and a half, 90 minutes of a movie, you'd think it would give you a lot of context, but it's, like, a fight scene and then an extended musical number and then and then that scene, and that's the whole movie. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. Um, but, so... Uh, Asuka wakes up and sort of like caresses Shinji's face at which point he gives up and starts crying and Asuka gives her final line which is either translated as disgusting or I feel sick yeah and this is one of those things that was um, left open to interpretation they've never really talked about it Mm -hmm. some people in the staff have talked about how that original line was supposed to be Asuka saying I will never let any man kill me or something like that Okay. Um, which uh, plays into, you know, her character in some way, but uh, Anna wasn't happy with that. Hmm. Uh, the story goes that um, Anna, on certain lines, has asked questions or given hypotheticals to his uh, voice actors and actresses in order to get, like, a, a, a true response from them, like a very emotional response for, like, very short lines. Right. And his prompt, according to other people on this, this has been, this is multiple people, so I'm going to assume that it's, you know, confirmed canon kind of thing, Mm -hmm. is that uh, he presented Asuka's voice actress with basically the the opening situation, he says, uh, of End of Evangelion, where he says, if you knew that someone had broken into your house in the middle of the night, and you learned that he did not assault you but instead he stood over you and masturbated how would you feel or what would you what do you think about that at which point the person responds disgusting or i feel sick or however you want to translate that and uh anno smiles and said i thought so and then that (laughs) line gets in yeah (laughs) but um like uh, uh there have been a lot of discussions about if that's the the end of that meaning like what what does it mean when Asuka looks at Shinji crying tra- after trying to kill her and goes disgusting? Because at this point, they're, they they have synced their souls within the Human Instrumentality Project. Like, there are no real secrets between them. Yeah. So what what is it about that line that connects to Asuka's character? Like, did you think about this when you watched it? Like, hey, what what is this ending supposed to be? Because it's very anticlimactic cut to credits. I've thought about it before, and the way I always interpreted it is that um, she sees that even though ostensibly, like, humanity has become whole and, like, everybody understands each other and Shinji, like, 
because everybody's part of the same thought process. All of Shinji's old, like, inability of being able to connect to people and being afraid of disappointing all people should ostensibly disappear because, you know, he can... He, just like everybody else, can see what people think, so he has no reason to worry about anything anymore. And he still ends up crying? It's like, oh, whoops. Human flaws still exist. And then she realizes... Uh, I always, like, I prefer to go with the translation of I feel sick instead of disgusting, because then it could mean... Like, she sees, she sees that Shinji has sort of fallen back into his old like tragic habits even though despite everything she's been through and then she thinks oh no even though i've been through all this personal development and i feel like i'm finally over it i could fall back into it like that too okay and that's what i always thought about that all right that's interesting mm-hmm. um i mean there's a very base level um reading of it which is uh Based on the prompt given to it is that she just found out that he masturbated her in the hospital and is like, oh, gross. Yeah. But no, I think I think your interpretation is better because it plays into the actions leading up to it as well, which is like Shinji's fear still of like other people and emotional connection in that like he sees Asuka and his immediate response is to try to kill her. Yeah. Like, because there's, there's still that that very real weakness to him even though he has learned that he needs to be happy with himself first and foremost and he still isn't even though he broke out of the project so you were talking earlier about how you thought the ending of episode 24 or and by extension episode 25 and 26 meant that the human instrumentality project was a success um I've always interpreted well, success. It it happens. It happens, right? It occurs. I've always thought of it as them as Shinji successfully preventing it, because okay. by the point of episode of the end of episode twenty four, no one in the main cast wants it to happen anymore. And before that, Gendo did, and by extension, his his assistant, the old dude. Um, so it makes sense that episode twenty four basically concludes the story. Um, mm-hmm. so it, in that sense, I think it makes more sense for the human instrumentality project to fail because it's like a happy ending and everybody says congratulations at the end and Shinji figures himself out. And I think with, with end of Evangelion, him being the catalyst of the project gives that more weight of like, once he breaks free of it, eventually everyone else will too. Yeah. And that's why I like even though it's super weird, uh, it, like the episode 25 and 26 are really weird. I like that ending better than End of Evangelion. Uh, because End of Evangelion feels like a very forced reopening of plot threads that were already closed by that point. Oh, man, I'm so glad that you said that. Because I was really worried when I was like, I don't know if I like End of Evangelion more than the last two episodes. It was going to be like, uh, you know, one of those big things. As just a story... Uh, or as a conclusion to the story, I don't like it very much. But as a movie itself, I dislike it even more because it's so <laughs> plotting. <laughs> Nothing happens in those 90 minutes. It's horrible. And, the, and I think the biggest issue with this is it feels like Shinji reverts in a way that hurts his narrative. It, yeah. Because, and, you know, I Ano has always had a strained relationship, it seems, with his fans. Mm-hmm. And Shinji's 
inability to act seems like an even more pointed critique of the sorts of people that kind of see something horrible happening and don't do anything about it, like sort of the, like, you know, hikikomori sort of, like, shut-in sort of thing that's happening in Japan. Right. Like, it seems like it's so pointed in a way that ends up hurting Shinji's character. Mm-hmm. And it's really frustrating because he, it's shown before that, like, I don't think he would have ever let Asuka get to the point where she's being disemboweled in that fight. Like, he would have figured something out if it were in the TV series. Yeah, it's really weird. Like, I I, I understand why the the move from 24 to 25 is so fucking weird. Yeah. But that, I think... So, uh, to point out, we didn't watch the director's cut version of, the, like, the five episodes that have them. Mm-hmm. If there were a director's cut version of episode 25 that just had a small amount of contextualization for and the Human Instrumentality Project happened anyways... Yeah. That would be enough to give context for what happens. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest complaint is just that there there isn't that connecting point from 24 to 25. Yeah, because there's even... It, it, it doesn't end with uh, Shinji killing Kaoru. It, there's another scene after that that is not really important, but it, it sort of puts a damper on the conclusion of that plot thread. And then after that, we get the two weird episodes. So it's it, it definitely felt like that wasn't the way it was supposed to be. And I totally get people who were watching it at the time and pissed. Mm-hmm. Knowing what was going to happen ahead of time, I think I connected more dots about what was happening. Yeah. Like, I could see why it's like, well, what the fuck just happened? But, you know, going in ahead of time, knowing that something is going to get weird and I have to think about it. It's like, oh, well, this must be the Human Instrumentality Project. Yeah. One weird thing that comes up in the middle of... 25 and 26 that I think also plays into the idea that there is a bigger context and that end of Evangelion is halfway sort of like what the last two episodes were supposed to be. Yes. Is you get one shot back to the normal world where Ritsuko and Masato have been shot and are dead. Mm-hmm. It looks like. Yeah. And so that seems to play into sort of the like whole um, infiltration thing. Like you could turn... Um, end of Evangelion on a on a storyboard level into the last two episodes and make it work. I think it would be better because, like I said, it's way too long for no reason. Yeah. And I think the year that Hideaki Anno had on it uh, maybe soured his interpretation of some of the characters and made that less good. Yeah, maybe a little. Because definitely the, the speech that Misato gives Shinji in End of Evangelion after she gets shot feels like a speech that Shinji doesn't need anymore at that point. Like, we've already had that moment before. Yeah, it it definitely feels like it's... it's You could cut some of the retreads and still have the, like, framing device around it of Seal taking over Nerve and make that work in two episodes. Yeah, absolutely. But realistically, 25 and 26, you, you can get what's happening, I think. Mm-hmm. At least now. Yeah. Again, can't know what it's like to watch it at that time. <laughs> But, you know, End of Evangelion does give context to it, which I think is good. It's just, like, I like it. You know, it was fun. There are some very good action sequences to it. Like, the the fight with Asuka and the nine, uh, the nine Evas is super cool in so many ways. Yeah. 
and Shinji transforming into the into the Tree of Wisdom or whatever is super yeah, cool looking too. The, yeah, that whole sequence with like Ray fusing and the whole that's so cool. And like the 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 particular style of animation as like all of the people in Nerve get turned into the into that uh like orange soda or whatever. Mm-hmm. The orange soda that is our collective consciousness. Right. Is like cool. But yeah, it's just like so much around it is like it's still painfully obtuse. Yeah. And of Evangelion is definitely way more like weird metaphory than the rest of the show is. Yeah, and so it's like it's all still there, but in some ways it feels a little bit like Anno's middle finger to his fans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I don't know about End of Eva. I mean, like, I get it. I get what people like it. Uh, totally. And I definitely understand wanting the context, but I felt like just 25 and 26 gave a better ending. Yeah, me too. See, I don't understand why people mock the congratulations scene. Because before I'd watched Evangelion, right, my understanding of the congratulations scene is that the story had gotten really morally complicated or something happened that seemed to lead the show towards an ending that wasn't going to be a happy, satisfying ending. That's why I thought people didn't like the congratulation ending because it's such a silly, like, happy ending that it would be weird. But it's not like that at all. It's just the story of Evangelion is like a big metaphor. You know, it's it's text. And then for episode 25 and 26, and especially the ending, the text gets cut away and it's just... Here's what it's about. It's just the emotions. Yeah, and at the end, Shinji finally achieves personal growth. And that's good. And that's all it is. Come on. And I think that's the most where it, it becomes clear how much Ano put of himself into it, of, like, the, the breaking through depression. Yeah. Like, that you you see the sort of, like, once you... Once you start to break free, everything starts to look more positive. Mm-hmm. And everyone's congratulating him, even some characters who might be dead. Who knows? There's no context for where he breaks out of at the end. But you get the idea that he has made that personal growth and has somehow broken free of the collective yeah. uh, of the project. All right, so like... We talked about it a little bit before. Um, Evangelion has survived the test of time, and yet Hideaki Anno does not seem happy with the way it ended. No. And as such, he has gone on to build to make a new version of the series as a tetralogy of movies called mm-hmm. Rebuild of Evangelion. Yes. Three of them have released so far, with increasing breaks in between each one, leading up to now, where the third one came out, I don't know, six years ago, it feels like? A long time ago, yeah. And the fourth one is just now in production, thanks to um, Shin Godzilla getting in the way. Yeah. And the Animation Expo, and all the other things Studio Car has done. <laughs> but um, it is, to start, a very direct retelling of the story that... As far as I understand, I haven't seen them. Uh, very slowly derails and becomes a lot different. Very different. Not good. Yeah. Uh, it, well, I don't know if it becomes not good. I definitely don't like it, but I know other people do. So, Jordan, tell me about 
what Rebuild of Evangelion is like. Rebuild of Evangelion is like if you took what people wanted Evangelion to be initially without changing any of the actual plot points. So it is more action focused? It is way more action. The action is more ridiculous and over the top. Like, you know how in NGE Shinji's thing, Shinji's Eva goes berserk at one point and it's a big deal. In Rebuild, they all go berserk just whenever it's necessary and it's no biggie. <laughs> oh, jeez. So that, so that whole plot bit is ignored more or less. Sort of. Um, you know how in Neon Genesis Evangelion, uh, Shinji killing Kaoru is like this super big deal. And he just like, he sits there for two minutes, probably because they had to save on the animation, but it's also a, it works as a good moment. And then he kills right. him. Okay. So let's, before we go on, let's talk about this. The elevator scene is good. And so is that scene. Elevator scene is good. And the scene where Shinji holds uh, Kaori, Kaori in his hand is good. Here's the thing, right? They obviously had to save. They were running out of something. So they had to cut corners but they cut corners in smart places. Yeah, the staff of Evangelion have talked about how Anno was the sort of person that basically up until the deadline was changing things. Yeah. And as it got deeper into the sort of the psychological stuff, things kept getting pushed back and back. So it, and I, I was, you know, I was brought up to think like all the bad things in anime, it's a budget issue. It was not, it was mm-hmm. a timing issue. Which is what it usually is. Where, yeah, just like c- continually... Um, uh, Anno is pushing deadlines and yeah. even up to the final two episodes which had to use like uh, you know old animation and actual photos and <laughs> storyboards and stuff like and I think it's still they still use those different things to play into some of the psychological stuff going on but it is a timing issue mm-hmm. so sorry continue on well uh, I, one last thing to like uh, add on to that as well People often think that when an anime has a part that looks bad later on, it's a money issue. Um, it's almost never a money issue. It, it's almost never a money issue. And if you've ever worked for a relatively big company, then you'll know how that works. Because if it was the, if it had been the case that an anime couldn't have been the way they originally wanted it to be because of money, because they were running out of money, then they weren't in a position to start the anime in the first place. Like that just doesn't happen. Like gangsta. Yeah, that's like Gangsta is its own case because that studio was going hella bankrupt. Yeah, that was like that was a long term issue. Um, and guess what? Gangsta looked great the whole way through, so it's almost like money <laughs> has nothing to do with it. <laughs> they just didn't pay any of those people, and that's an issue. Oh, yeah. But yeah, so it, it's a timing issue, and it's always been a timing issue, especially with Anno, which is why it takes forever to make everything as movies. Anyway. Instead of Shinji sitting there for two full minutes lamenting the fact that he has to kill this person that represents the fact that he's finally learning to be able to open up to people, Kaori just gets killed by unrelated events and in this ridiculous, gruesome way, like his neck explodes and his head blows up into the sky and there's this giant blood fountain and that's rebuilt in a nutshell. It just takes all the emotional context and removes it. Yeah. It's, oh my god, it's bad. I don't like it. And they introduce a new lady and, ugh. And, uh, again, this is this is kind of hearsay. I don't know how much of this is true. I hear that the new lady is another one of, like, Anna's middle fingers to his fans of, like, oh, here's this perfect Moe character who also sucks and is bad. Yeah. Yeah. 
but uh yeah i don't i don't know much about it i know i know that for a while it's it's fairly faithful uh yeah it's fairly faithful up until about halfway into two and then two starts to derail it a little bit and then in the third movie it's just completely different because there's a time skip right at the start of it yeah like i read a plot I read a plot synopsis after I was done just to be like, oh, so what is Rebuild even? And I'm still not quite sure. Because, <laughs> like, it turns out Misato and Ritsuko are from a different shadow organization. Yeah. And it turns out that Third Impact happened, and so did the Human Instrumentality Project already, and shinji uh, has been in cryosleep in space. There's a theory that Rebuild is a sequel to the original series. And it's kind of convoluted and weird. It makes a little bit of sense, but it's kind of a stretch. Okay. Um, but I don't think that really makes it any better. It just solves a couple of weird uh, character development and plot thread issues. But I don't know. I still really don't like it. It's like an okay, okay. weird action movie. Um, but it, I don't know. It looks good, but it's really inconsistent. Like, I, I also think Neon Genesis Evangelion just has the better action, too. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know why, why you would ever watch Rebuild of Evangelion, unless you're, like, really bummed out by how long the sections in between the action can get in the original series. And I understand that, or, you know, uh, I think Anno has gone on record as saying, like, this was another thing where he was trying to sort of, like, push anime forward by taking advantage of 3D CG. Mm-hmm. How much can you speak to that? I don't know about it. Like, is the CG good? It's okay. Um, does it, does it kind of push forward what CG could be? No, Like, does it use it in different interesting ways? Absolutely not. It's just there to make the robots move good. Oh, is it just for the Evas? No, there's other stuff too, but I don't know. Okay, there's like a, oh right, there's like a space pirate boat or something that they have to infiltrate, I think, from the plot, man. I'm so confused about what happens. Here's the thing, right? I guess at the time, it would have been a pretty good show of force for 3d animation but that really feels more like it was because they had a lot of resources to throw at it which definitely doesn't make it as commendable as neon genesis evangelion's attempt to push anime forward was okay it's just a that's a good way to describe rebuild of evangelion it's just a lot less commendable okay yeah yeah it was weird um, going into Evangelion the series, because not knowing where the the threads between Rebuild and the original series separated, mm-hmm. I thought Kaoru was like a much bigger role in Evangelion, and I was yeah. like, oh, why is I was we it was weird when I was like twenty episodes in, it's like, uh, where is he? <laughs> and it turns out that he's there in the movies. Yeah, and that's I think a lot of why fans connect to him is because of his line in the movies because he. It lasts for a whole hot episode in the original TV series. Yeah. I think if there's one thing I would criticize about the original series, too, is that is it, that it has pacing issues. Like, Kaoru needed more space to exist. Yeah, I definitely felt like that, too, where it's like, so Kaoru's just going to be here for one episode and do a whole lot? Like, what yeah. is the point of Kaoru as I was going into it? Like, it took a lot of time to get there because he's doing so much in that episode. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to connect... With the way Shinji feels at the end of the episode off of seeing that little of a character. Yeah, it's, it's, so it's weird. it was weird thinking I was going to see more of that. I knew that lady wasn't in there, though. Yeah, I, I guess that's one good thing I can say about the movies is that 
the balance of the plot structure is better, but everything is still rushed because they have way less space. Just right, because it's a movie. It's four movies, yeah. So, for example, uh, the the part about Misato's dad is like ten seconds in rebuild, whereas in the series, it's like a quarter of an episode, maybe it's like six or seven minutes. Yeah. And it's just so they could have just left it out of the movie for all the good it does. And in the series it's really important to her character because all of them have parent issues and that's what connects them in some ways. Yeah. Anyway, that's enough of me belly aching about rebuild. I don't like it. <laughs> Here's the okay. There's a lot of confused opinions, uh, or not confused, but conflicting opinions on Neon Genesis Evangelion. Is it bad that it's not a weird robot thing? Is the first half, the first couple episodes of it lame or not? But I think the most important, all-encompassing difference in opinion that's always out there is: is it as good as the hype was is supposed to make you believe? And I think the answer is yes. It's great. It's so weird because I feel like all my hype was directed at all the wrong things when I got into it. So, I... Like, I always heard more um, conflicted things about it. Like, I didn't hear as strong of stuff about, like, oh yeah, it's just real good. Yeah. But well, I think I came out of it thinking, yeah, that's real good. It's and real good. not in any of the ways people would have told me about <laughs> Well, here's the thing, right? When people first came out of it, they were like, okay, that was weird, but also it was, it was really good. And that's with anything that people think is really good other people are going to come along there you're going to say like actually it's really bad mm-hmm. um and from that point on how are you going into it for the first time going to be sure if it's actually going to be good or bad or not um and that's something right. you have to figure out for yourself and i did and i think it's really good and people talk about it in such like sort of vague terms that it's hard to tell what you're going to get out of it mm-hmm. like people don't go in in depth and talking about stuff besides oh, it's got all this psychology stuff, really. Yeah. So it's like, oh, so it's like psychological, but also these, these big robots and people who don't like Mecha might like this because it's so kind of an antithesis to what you'd expect out of Mecha. Yeah. And then you also get, you know, there's the psychology thing and people will go, oh, it's smart. And then people will respond to that with, actually, it's not smart, which means the show is bad. Um, I mean, I don't know if you can guess this, but that's a paraphrase. Uh... But the thing is, right, even without that, even if it didn't have, even if the psychology stuff was bad, you know, it still has good action, good character work, it's immaculately directed. Even without that, it's a good show. And I also think the psychology stuff is pretty good, so on the whole, that adds up to a really good show, I think. I'm so impressed by it coming out in 1995 and looking as good as it does. Oh, yeah. There is, there's so much animation to it that's, like, so tiny. And, like, the sort of shit that people would go to now is, like, it's inconsequential, but, like, it's really, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Like, even in the first episode, you see all kinds of shit, like, the, 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 like, like, you see some kind of smears as Misato, like, moves her car into gear and, like, right. you know, goes away. The explosion has so much impact with the car, you feel the weight of the car, mm-hmm. and the car bounces as it drives. Like, there's... There's so much attention to detail in movement and metal wear and, like, even the reflection coming off of Genji's stupid glasses. Like, (laughs) 
there like there's a part in the very beginning where they shoot they they hit the they drop the bomb on the first angel yeah and uh, it's like you know shockwave coming and immediately after that you can hear the screens go to static and it reflects in Genji's sunglasses right there's a ton like that in the series that's just like impressively animated for something made in 1995 yeah because you got to remember too 1995 Japan was deep into an economic recession mm-hmm. so getting like good anime made i mean you know we said earlier money doesn't matter but going in like you do have an idea of what kind of expenditures you can make and they probably weren't that much at the time so you know it's impressive that they still got so much out of it yeah and like that you do see a dip in that as the show goes on oh, but absolutely. there's still so there's still so much attention paid to tiny details mm-hmm. and it's Oh, man, it's really good. Yeah. Neon Genesis Evangelion, it's really good. And, like, even the psychology stuff, like, it, it's a little... It can sometimes be a little on the nose when uh, Anno puts in his script, oh, it's like the oral stage. Like, <laughs> yeah, I got it. You, yeah. you showed me a picture of Shinji uh, suckling on the teat as a child. You didn't need to also tell me, oh, that's a psychology thing. <laughs> but, like, they're, the the characters are very um, complicated in the way that they handle their relationships. And mm-hmm. that's so big about it is the way that they handle those relationships. Yes. Because as you learn more about their particular connections with their parents in particular, you understand why they're doing these sorts of like really stupid things. Even Misato, who's an adult. Yeah. Like uh, her crazy sexcapades with Kaji. Just in a in a desperate attempt to connect via pleasure, you know. There's like mm-hmm. there is so much to it that I I also feel like Ed, coming into it, I didn't know a lot about what actually was going on. There's a little bit of like, except for there's a little bit of like kind of stuff related to Oedipal kind of desires, like the desire to return to the womb and stuff like that. And yeah. the, you know, people talk about the death drive and how all of these people want to die eventually. Um, but it still feels a lot more nuanced than I think I would have expected um, ultimately, like yeah. how it deals with the characters. Like, it's not as direct as I think people would make it out to for you to believe. Mm-hmm. Asuka or Rei? Okay. That's listen, the question everyone listen. wants us to answer. I'm not going to answer that. And here's why, right? <laughs> we, we've been over this before with ReZero. These characters are not made to be sexy. That's the point, right? They're super messed up and they're children. <laughs> and some of them aren't even real. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not I'm not gonna answer that. That's messed up. <laughs> no, that's fine. I <laughs> I just know that that's that I know that's a thing in that is uh, a thing. Evangelion is people arguing about which one's the better one. Yeah. Let me tell you. It's Masato, because she's an adult. She is an adult. And the thing, you can't really say which one's the better one, because they play off of each other. Like, one wouldn't be as good if the other one wasn't there. Yeah, um, Asuka, Asuka's brattiness wouldn't be the same without, like, Rei's deadpan shutdown. Yeah. And I don't think Shinji's sort of, like, you know, <laughs> death drive and sort of, like, his, um, his, his position is sort of, like, dealing with his depression in a very like 
negative way mm -hmm. wouldn't be the same if they didn't also introduce a character who is the same as Shinji, but so much more outgoing in a lot of ways about it. Like, so much more direct and honest about that. Mm -hmm. Like, she's not honest about a lot of things, but she's very honest about, like, this is going to get me popular. <laughs> I want people to love me. Like, she's so direct about that and not the deeper part of it. Yeah. And I think that they're, the way that those those characters end up working out, which is because I think Asuka kind of sucks as a character, but the, the, the distinct kind of, like, um, differences with, between her and Shinji are what make both of them more interesting. Mm-hmm. Asuka has good moments, but, like, God, she's a brat. Yeah, but she's supposed to be a brat. That's a character flaw. Right, no, I... Yeah, it is a character flaw, but it's, it's one of those ones that just goes, like, Asuka, stop doing that. Yeah. But she, you know, it, it gets to a good place with her. Yes, And a real totally. fucked up place, as we <laughs> learned about her mom and the whole, like, walking in her mom having hung herself. Like, that's fucked up. Yeah. Well... You know, they, no, one, no one tells you you're going to have a good time going into Evangelion, that's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. Unless they're lying to you, and that would be really mean. <laughs> right, that's rude. Yeah. So, this is the thing that put um, Hideaki, Ani on, uh, Hideaki Anno on the map. Right. This is the big thing, and everyone remembers for him, and everyone will judge everything else he makes based on it, even if that's inappropriate. Yeah. How do you feel uh, as him being one of the few modern, maybe not the right word, but recent anime auteurs? What do you mean by that? So, I mean, there, there are a few names that people bring up a lot of the time in, like, important people in anime. Right. And it's generally direct. You have, like, uh, Kunihiko Ikuhara, who did, um, like, Utena. Yes. And you have Miyazaki, with all his Ghibli stuff. Yeah. Um, I think Hideaki Anno is definitely one of those as well. And you have, like, Gino Rubuchi and things like that. Where does... Where do you think Anno stands in terms of being a prominent voice? Like, is, is he the sort of person that we should keep looking to in terms of, like good stuff that's like this is this like a you know was this a, a one-off like where does he fit in the pantheon of uh recognized by name anime uh directors i think he deserves to always be looked at just because he's a really good director but i think as a creative voice who breaks the mold he has disappeared largely because Rebuild isn't that interesting. And, I mean, Shin Godzilla was cool, but it's not really that special. Like, as an, uh, he's not much of an auteur anymore. And if he is, he's not a very interesting one, I guess. He's, he's too much influenced by outside influences for him to be, like, a genuinely super interesting creative individual anymore. Uh, explain that in particular. Like, his being affected by outside influences. I just want to hear you. What I mean by that is that he knew Neon Genesis Evangelion made a lot of money, and that's why he made the exact same thing again, and is planning <laughs> on maybe doing it a third time. <laughs> and I get it, right? Because he is the head of a huge studio, and there are people that depend on him, and he wants to make sure that those people aren't going to be in trouble. And then it makes sense to make more Evangelion stuff, 
because that's going to make money and that's going to make sure everybody's safe. But like, this is not the career trajectory. If I'd seen Neon Genesis Evangelion when it came out, this is not the career trajectory I would have expected from him. Okay. So you think that sort of he hasn't done anything in recent to to make that status worthwhile? It's not maybe the correct word, but... Uh, yeah, I guess so. Okay. I think that's that's just what happens when any creator's, uh, like, sort of out there, unique creativity becomes um, a selling point. Like, this sort of thing <laughs> happens a lot. Uh, and some creators are able to withstand that pressure and others sort of let it seep into their work a little bit. And I definitely think for Anno, it's seeped into his work a lot. But we'll see. And it feels like Anno is like, he's not like, you know, someone who... I think sacrifices in a lot of ways. Like uh, he, d- he doesn't make sacrifices for his vision. He always wants to present something exactly how he wants to, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that shows up in his love of different media, like Shin Godzilla and stuff. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that he's pushing genres forward. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, he is still, I think an important voice. People will still see a new thing he's doing. And like, wow, look at this thing. That Anno's doing. Like, the Animator Expo was pretty big. And I think, you know, he did that to help try to get kind of up-and-coming animators and new people to show off what they can do. And that yeah. was good. Mm-hmm. But that's a that's a little hands-off at some point, you know? Right. Like, it's a good movement that he's making, but him himself is not doing as much with that. Yeah. But here's hoping, you know, maybe maybe he'll come back. Maybe this is just a slump, a very long 20-year slump. I mean, he he should he should do whatever he wants to do. And if he doesn't yeah. want to like really roll up his sleeves and like do something different again, then honestly that's fine. You know. He's he's left Evangelion to us, you know. He's He's definitely left one very strong series, you know, to yeah. to to be remembered by. And if you want to dig a little deeper, he's also left Nadia, The Secret of Blue Water, and Gunbuster. Yeah. He's also done, you know, he's also done work there as well. Yeah. I mean, it could have gone in a worse direction. He could be a lot more, like, actively antagonistic, like a Miyazaki. Yeah, that would, and also just making the same movie over and over again. Uh, Yeah, it feels like, um, Anno, for being sort of as, like, coming off as, like, disgusted um, at his fans as he is, Mm -hmm. I think he does a good job still of, like, Selling merchandise to for them. them. Yeah, yeah, he still does things for them. Like, it's not... And he's never been so vocal, I think, about sort of the, like, anime is a mistake, it's nothing but trash kind of thing that, you know, uh, Hayao Miyazaki has. Yeah. Hayao Miyazaki is so much more, like, incredulous about the state of anime than Anno is. And I think in some ways it's because Anno knows that he is part of it. Yeah. Like, he's part of... What created this problem? Problem. But, like, you know, he, he pushed anime in a direction that has, once again, kind of stagnated. But, you know, he's done it, and he's I think he's trying to find a new place in that new anime climate. I hope Maybe? he finds it. Because definitely you see, like, Miyazaki kind of, like, just kind of returns to his roots. He does. Over and over. He does. To diminishing returns, I think. Yeah, it's not a bad thing, but I feel like he's just not drawing in as many people anymore i don't know about that well no i guess not well i guess i mean when's when's the when when was the last time that a a movie of his really like was a boom yeah i know you're right 
Like, it feels like Howl's Moving Castle, which was 13 years ago. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's been a while for him as well, and it feels like he's he's definitely come up as a lot more of a cranky old man <laughs> in in the yeah. following years. <laughs> like that uh, epic takedown he did of that person doing 3D animation. Oh, my God. <laughs> he really needs to just be, like, put somewhere and then never be given a platform again. <laughs> Why can't he retire and I move into the mountains? But yeah, if, it, if he it loves sucks his Studio Ghibli's in a rut too. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> if he loves his damn like euphoric green mountains so much, why doesn't he go there and never talk on the internet again? Goddamn! But you know, I, I in some ways I get it because like it feels like every time Hayao Miyazaki leaves, something real fucked up happens at, mm-hmm. it, like at Ghibli, and yeah. they like don't make money. Well, I mean, if that's the way it is, then. I don't know. If that's the way it is, then it's weird to, like, try to forcibly keep the wheels turning. That said, though, um, what was that last one they did? Uh, when Marnie was there? Yeah. That one was a success. I guess. So maybe Studio Ghibli is on the up and up and they don't need- they won't need him as much anymore. I hope so. What really sucks is that, uh, the tale of Princess Kaguya Mm -hmm. did really well, um, review-wise- but didn't make back even half of its budget. And that's really disappointing because, like, that has got an art style that's, like, worth talking about. Like, it's so different and unique and it failed. Yeah. All right, we've gotten a little off topic. Let's... I had one last thing I want to talk about with Evangelion. Okay. The future of the series. So... I believe, at one point I had talked to you about this, that Hideaki Anno had talked about wanting to do Evangelion again after Rebuild. Three build. So, re- let's, let's be very optimistic. Yeah. Rebuild ends 2018. Okay. And it finishes the, the series. Right. You know, it finishes, it finishes Rebuild. He tells the story he wanted to tell now about Evangelion, which is the story he wanted to tell, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah. What does he do after that? He's talked about wanting to go back to it, but what is there left to mine out of it? Well, with Rebuild, it started off like being a pretty faithful adaptation of the original show with some things changed, and it seems like maybe he was going to head in a way where... The second half was also maybe going to be more in line with what he originally wanted to be. And then that didn't happen again. So maybe third time's the charm and he'll finally get to make the Evangelion that he always sort of wanted to make but then changed his mind about twice. Yeah, it's weird because it feels like, you know, up to, you know, up through all of Evangelion and, you know, years after it, he defended the last two episodes as like, yeah, this is what I wanted to do. Uh, F you guys. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Like... yeah. So it's like, well, um, and and so then he decides, oh, we're going to do rebuild. We have to do something different about it. Mm -hmm. So, like, do you think, like, you said at some point that in rebuild, uh, uh, movie three is just, oh, he, he had a spiral into depression again. And that's why it got so different. Is that on, you know, is that true? Not necessarily true, but the evidence points in that direction to a degree. Yeah. Okay. So, like, it seems like something 
always happens <laughs> uh, to stop uh, Anno from creating what he really wants. Mm-hmm. In the first for first series, it was time. Time got in the way. Yeah. So he's like, I'm going to make these movies. These movies, I can take all the time I want. Pay me. And then he gets depression and he really changes the story, probably from what he initially intended. Yeah. He's really good at that. Um, so a, th- a third time, would he do the same thing? Would he do an expanded universe? Like, does he change up the characters at this point? Like, what do you see him doing? Does he go back to the same exact well? I think expand uh taking the same universe and expanding on it further would be the sellout move okay which means that i think that might probably will happen or there's a good chance that that will happen happen. um sort of recontextualizing it like some keeping some of the ideas but maybe having new characters or having the same characters and putting them in new situations uh that is also a possibility because there's been all those like side series that he's that he's done before right um like all the slice of life stuff just that just cuts all the character it all cuts all the evas out and just makes it the characters in high school mm-hmm. and there's uh i don't know how much he actually had to work with it but there are all those dating sims uh with ray which is weird that's weird that is weird that's super weird but like yeah it's it seems it seems like if you don't get it the second time, what do you do the third time to... He has sold the first half of the same product twice. Yeah. Like, would he let other people try it out? Like... Maybe. He's always been against trying to do live action stuff with it. Would he, you know, loosen that and see what other people could do with it? That's... You know, that's that's one of the things I don't know. Could be. I, I I read some stuff about it. And it's like you know he he doesn't want to do a live action about it because these characters were built to be cartoons, mm-hmm. and you expect different things out of cartoons than real people, right? Which I absolutely get. Yeah, I, I totally. Yeah, I don't know if he'd be willing to hand off any of this to someone else, or if this is you know kind of his this is his baby. This is the sort of thing that. He eventually will find the uh, the 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 beautiful balance that you know that puts that puts Evangelion in the perfect state for him. Yeah. But also, he could hand it off at this point. He could do something else, anything else. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's it, I mean, he's he said he wants to do something with it, and you know, he doesn't want Eva to die after a rebuild. Yeah. But the the open endedness of that is what makes it weird and kind of interesting. It's like, what it, what is left to do that you aren't just remilking the series again? <laughs> and is there anything to be, to grab, to grab from it? You know? Well, you can, f- you can force it into whatever mold you want. Like what I'm wondering, what I'm wondering is whatever he'll do is if it will actually be a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, it's hard to say. Because it feels like he also is trying to move back into doing live action stuff, you know, as of late. Yeah. And kind of try different things than just anime with Studio Kara. Mm-hmm. And I I wonder what it would be like, let's say, if he did like a revival of Ultraman, which is a thing that he uh, loves to bits and has talked about a lot. 
Like, what would it look like to have him touch? Because when he touched Godzilla, a lot of people talked about how it's sort of the best Godzilla in a while, and it does at least some things different with the the genre of, like, the kaiju. Right. So maybe maybe he just needs to find something else that's going to push him over, you know, like like an Ultraman or a new live-action series. There's just something to to kind of find new a a new grounding. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um I'm kind of happy with Evangelion as is. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's I think it's a good series and I think if you've ever at least considered looking into it, it's worth a shot. I can't guarantee you'll like it cuz I definitely know that there are things in there that like would turn people off. Mm-hmm. In, a, in, in a bunch of different ways. It's so many things that it's hard to pin pin down if that's the sort of thing you'd like. Yeah. But but I think if you've shown you've ever shown interest in it, it's worth looking into. Too bad it's not on Blu-ray. Well, too bad it's not on Blu-ray, and too bad the American rights for it are held up in like a secondary holding company. And the DVDs are out of print. Yeah, okay, so um at some point, ADV Films had the rights to Neon Genesis Evangelion. Yeah. They shut down, and Section 23 Films, which is a multimedia distributor that includes Sentai Filmworks, uh, most importantly, and basically only, uh, is that. They have a secondary one called Acer Holdings, which... Holds the license to some old ADV film stuff, which includes um, Neon Genesis Evangelion and Princess Tutu as the two like big ones that they have hold of. And they've just done nothing with it. Yeah. And I think that's really messed up because like the there are already Japanese Blu-rays of it out there. Yeah. For the original series for End of Evangelion. But just there is no printing of Neon Genesis Evangelion out there. And I'm assuming that the rights that they're holding have also caused it to be like inaccessible for streaming because mm-hmm. yeah, there's probably. nowhere to stream it either. And my hope would be now that like Amazon is getting into the um, anime game with their with their whole like channel and everything. Right. Like, yes, it sucks that it's a new thing hidden behind an already expensive service but they also have some things on their service that like might you know might have been thought to be stuck behind licensing hells you know they have all kinds of old stuff they have apple seed they have all the satoshi khan movies they have the makoto shinkai stuff like they have such a and they have so much money they're kind of like netflix where it's just a huge conglomerate that can now get into streaming stuff and I wonder if they would be able to buy the rights for whatever absurd amount of money or whatever they're probably asking for it is and make that available for access. Because right now, the literally the only way to get it in a way that's uh, listen, um, watchable in English is you have to pirate it. You have to pirate it. Yeah. And it's it's weird because the rebuild movies are just in the hands of funny. Yeah. And, you know, I it just seems weird that, you know, whatever holding company they have is just sitting on it, and I yeah. don't know what they're waiting for. Same was true with Standalone Complex for a while, too. Now, it finally got released in English on Blu-ray, and they're bad releases. And apparently it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, 
Hulu has that at least for streaming, like somewhere has it. But it's so weird that Evangelion as a thing doesn't exist anywhere because I could tell you if Hulu had it, as much as Hulu blows, they would make a lot of dollars if they had Evangelion behind it. Anime just needs its own equivalent of the Criterion Collection. Like, there's so much stuff that is amazing that's not available anywhere. Like, Neon Genesis Evangelion, Standalone Complex up until fairly recently, Trigun, Monster. Like, come on, man. Is Trigun not available through Funny? It might be on the website. I don't know, but it's not on Blu-ray. Oh, so like a Blu-ray expansion. Yeah, that's that might be true. And that and that's weird because those discs definitely exist. Yeah. And it's really unfortunate that things like that end up getting stuck in sort of this this rights limbo cuz like and you know, maybe funny we'll be able to grab it cuz they have rebuild. They were able to grab, you know, Nichijou out of whatever hell was in there. Yeah. I don't know even what happened with that whole thing. But like the the fact that they are that these companies are looking to sort of like fill in these holes in anime makes me hopeful that like a release of this will exist one day. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's Neon Genesis Evangelion. Uh, I was very pleasantly surprised by it. Yeah. Um, really happy with the show, and I'm I'm glad that this uh, podcast has given me a chance to, to watch it. And I thought it still held up really well. For me, as someone new going into it, I didn't really know what to expect because of what I'd heard about it. And it was still like fascinating because it, it pushes boundaries that I feel like even like new anime sometimes fails to hit. Yeah. And, and it's very cool in that way. But that'll do it for this single serving episode of Coco Disaster. Mm-hmm. Join us next time as we go into the new season and start to look at the shows that will be coming out for spring. Yeah. I've been Chorps Away. I've been Jordan. And this has been Coco Disaster. See you guys next time. Sweet dreams. <laughs>